Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest, or the latest, I should say, not a latest, Matt, the latest Mount Mostwire football podcast this week. We're doing schedules. we got some weird news, but we're here, we're back, the offseason, and the Mountain West schedule, finally, finally, after people pestering us and others on Twitter, it's out, Matt. The schedule is here, and we're going to talk about it later. we got schedules. we got some games six months down the road, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fingers crossed. So, before we get to all that type of stuff, it should note, it is March, which means it's a lot of basketball going on. And I know Matt, you're just kind of like, oh, cool, March Madness. She'll bl- blindly fill out a bracket, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, probably. Part- <laughs> just because. Throw in 10 bucks and see what happens. But so we have a lot of hoop stuff. We have a hub on the website. If you go to one of the ta- on the tabs, it's this MW tournament. Check that out. So we'll be doing some podcasts this next week, obviously, like we typically do. But I want to get out there now at the beginning because basketball's here. Football's not going anywhere, clearly, but... Lots of lots of hoops. If you like that, March Madness is here, and we'll see what happens, right? Because we got hoops, mm-hmm. we got the tournament we're in Vegas. There are a million five teams can make the tournament possibly. Well, sorry, five teams could win this tournament. I think that's a chance, but well, I won't let you. Um, I mean, I'm gonna ask you one question, Matt. Do you? Uh, who do you think should win the tournament? Just because you're not you're not a hoops guy per se, but I'm pretty sure you peripherally know who's good and who's not good. Essentially, so who's gonna win? We'll get your prediction now on the record. Yeah, so I would like to make it very clear for the record <laughs> that I don't know anything about college basketball, and there's plenty of other writers on the site who are much more well-informed than I am. This makes it fun, but though. But I suppose, I suppose, gun to my head, I would probably take San Diego State, just based off of what I've seen from them this year, or, or rather, seen on Twitter. At least I don't yes. actually watch any games. But, I mean, I think that you know their capacity to play defense and, and their ability to you know, be able to overcome long odds as they've done a couple of times this year, if I'm not mistaken, makes mm-hmm. them well well suited, I would say, in a one and done type of environment to be more likely to do it one more time than any of the other contenders. Yeah, they're top twenty teams, so they they're in their front driver's seat. There's a couple other teams that can mix it up because Aztecs aren't perfect, but just want to get your record and hey, just go with the number one season chalk when you're not sure, right? That's what you do. <laughs> That's fair. And they're pretty good. So on the football, so the majority of this show today is going to be um, approximately who knows how many minutes, but on the schedule that was released, Mountain West seemingly 
Were they the last league, Matt, to release a schedule for next year? I haven't been paying that close of attention, but I, I know from our Twitter mentions, as you mentioned a minute ago, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people were very impatient about it. And, you know, well worth the wait, I'd say. Plenty of intrigue yeah, all around. There is. I, I think COC did it, maybe some, but one place I like to go, our buddy Pete Futak at CFN at College Football News, he always, when the schedule comes out, he always puts them out there quickly. So we'll have our schedule stuff out with introductory piece by you, Matt. The other day, we'll have a couple other pieces out breaking down the schedule. But check out him as well. He does a quick hit, and he has a pretty good job. So that stuff's already out there, too. So if you want to kind of see what he predicts um, for the schedule and whatnot. So it's always fun to see what other people say. But before we get to that, we have some news. Spring football is in the air. New Mexico started recently. We're not ta- we're not talking about that because Matt's like, wait, you didn't see New Mexico before the show. We're and Air, Air Force is already in the books, if I'm not mistaken. They, they're done? Oh, boy. I think so. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter, if I'm well, if I remember we'll correctly. Bo- Okay, we'll have our we'll talk to our buddy uh, one of our Sean's on the site talk about that later. Do some right up. They're always early. Our buddy Rogers down at practice. You're actually allowing people to view practice, which is pretty cool. So he'll be hanging out doing stuff there. But CSU, we're gonna talk about them for a minute today because is it why do they always have quarterback stuff? Whether it's Mike Bobo now Steve Adazio, it's always a quarterback thing with with the Rams. Mm-hmm. And before spring even started, our guest today have his introductory press conference from Coach Adazio, Todd Centineo. Is that how you say his name? Am I saying it properly? I don't want to disrespect him. I believe it's Todd Centineo. Oh, it's on Todd Centineo. I apologize. I see the E-I-O at the end, so I was like, well, maybe, okay, Todd Centineo. Announced the starting quarterback. Matt, what we said last year, I know he's the most experienced guy back, but that, do you, does he have to say that? Does he have to say a starter before spring practice starts? I mean, I think it helps put fans at ease in a lot of respects. Does it with him, though? With him, I mean, does as, it? Far as, the, <laughs> as far as the on-field performance, it really depends on, on how much you're willing to forgive for the context of the situation that he went into. Because, yeah, obviously, in the season opener, I don't think anybody expected him to see as much action as he did in, ahead of Patrick O'Brien. If I remember correctly, it was that O'Brien either was out because of COVID or something related to COVID contact tracing or something like that. Yeah, game one. Which is why we didn't see him in their opener against Fresno State, I believe. Yeah. But, you know, what we ultimately saw kind of week in and week out throughout the year, to be charitable left a lot to be desired. (laughs) You're too nice. And and this isn't the the first time in recent memory that we've seen this kind of quarterback shuffle from Colorado State. And so I would imagine that – you know, yeah, he's definitely the kind of the lone veteran in the quarterback's room at this point. And, you know, you could say that with all the, the context of operating within a very strange season that, you know, there's there's a little bit of wiggle room for forgiveness. Definitely. But I think, you know, if you were to put together quarterback rankings right now, let's say, I think that relative to a lot of other presumed starting quarterbacks across the conference, that he is definitely among the handful that has a lot more to prove than some others. So... If we're doing that, like, here, we'll get to this plan in a minute. Like, if we're doing a quick off-the-cuff ranking, like, they're at, at the bottom, and this could obviously change. New Mexico, because of uncertainty, they played five. I think they went to Quinterback last year, played so many guys. You have UNLV, who it could be Justin Rogers, who's kind of hurt. We'll see. And then it's like, like we don't, there's some unknowns with Utah State transfer coming in from Arkansas State, following Blake Anderson. You have, uh, who else did they get here? Air Force. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But easily bottom third is probably where they're at. Like if you're saying, like if we go to the top, San Jose State, Carson, or not Carson Strong, but Carson Strong in Nevada. You go to uh, what Spartans have 
on there there with a Nick Stark. Nick Stark will come back. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I blinked on me for half a second. Boy State with Hank Bachmeyer. Like the top three, a couple are pretty set. Even with Hawaii as well, Shavon Cordero. Like that's pretty good stuff in the conference. And so they're not in the middle. They're at the bottom third, which it's because of right now. But when you look at what what makes his his starting, I guess him being the starter right now for me, which is interesting. Steve Adazi is known for mostly wanting to do pro-style, run the ball, which is perfectly fine, different from what the Rams' personnel really had. But Centennial, like Centennial is like, they're comparing him like what freaking Tim Tebow does. I'm like, the, what, what he does and runs the ball a little bit, he's more of a dual-threat guy, unless they use him the right way, it's just a weird fit for what Adazi, because I know Adazi was a Florida Urban Meyer, that's all the connection there years ago. Like, I could see the pieces. If you look deeply from who he's coached with and where he's coached at and the players, this does make sense. But what you've seen him as a head coach, I don't know if it really makes sense to me yet because they want to run the ball, but are they really going to do a lot of, which they did, but was unsuccessful, read option, RPO stuff, where he gets the option to run and move the ball by himself. Like, mm-hmm. it all could work. I'm just from what we've seen, like when he's had eight Heisman candidate running back, you're just going to run the ball, run the ball. There's not room, or do you want to take away plays? If that's what he's going to do, and they say the running game, running backs are really good, which could be the case, TBD at the moment. Like, how much are you going to take away from those guys if you want to run the ball to a quarterback to also possibly run the ball? Mm-hmm. And when it wasn't all that effective last year, like, I see the pieces coming together. But I'm still skeptical. Based, I know last year it's kind of a free pass. Obviously, it's like weird stuff happens. But we still saw what was on the field and what he played and how he played, and I honestly wasn't overly impressed. Yeah, and and, and Kelly Lyle had a conversation with both Centeo and and Bud Mayer about kind of the situation that they're navigating. They're 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 in the early stages of implementing the new offense, and it seems like you know he's definitely on the same page as far as uh, you know, believing that he's a better fit for what Bud Mayer wants to do than for what Joey Lynch wanted to do in 2020. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind too is, you know, yeah, it was sort of you know the on-field product in terms of like the the traditional measures like completion percentages things like that were definitely overwhelming. But you know, we we say the same thing about other guys too. It was only four games. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to draw a lot of sweeping conclusions about what worked and what didn't for Colorado State in particular because off the top of my head, there were no other teams in the conference that played so few games in 2020. And so, you know, in the same way that there's sort of wiggle room for, you know, forgiveness as far as, you know, what happened with the Rams on the field last year, you know, you could also say that with, with a relatively fresh start with an entire at least for right now, seemingly normal mm-hmm. off season to prepare for implementing a new offense that, you know, the, you know, what we saw last year was not necessarily like the end all be all. And I think that that's what Bud Meyer's expectation is. I think that's what Centeno's expectations are. And I would assume is probably the same expectation for the fan base at large that, you know, given more normal circumstances, you know, he'll have room to grow into the offense that he didn't necessarily get coming in as a transfer last year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
I uh, completely agree. And it makes sense. Like I'm like I'm not I'm not trying to throw them on the bus or anything. I just like again when we see them play, and again that first game, like we remember the Rams, like all the issues there, all the protocols and possibly alleged stuff that happened during the leading into the year. Who knows how much practice he was really had because I get it too. Lynch and Budmeyer, like they're completely different guys. Like look at the Rams the past couple years: Michael Gallup, Rashard Higgins, all these guys in the NFL making good plays. Um, mm-hmm. Warren Jackson's on his way too, and so it is a different offense. So it would be awkward transition a bit. But also, how much practice time did he have going to that first game? Like maybe O'Brien was like two days before. Oh, you can't play, dude. And like, well, I haven't practiced. <laughs> you know, me for Santeo, a new guy. With limited mm-hmm. practice in general, then game week is like, holy crap, what am I doing here? But also should be noted, like, in same thing to Colorado and Kelly Lyle put out um, 20, um, 20s, basically played two complete seasons, 24 games, not full time because a couple Rams games were kind of split and came through. He's only mm-hmm. thrown 107 passes in 24 games. Yeah. So there's not many. Eight TDs, 62 completions, running for just about three and a half yards of carry and, 90, and uh, one touchdown on the ground. So that's. And I don't know, was he a full-time starter at Temple for at least a year? I don't think so, no, because they had, um, what was his name, Anthony Rizzo? No, not, that's a Cubs first baseman. That's right, it is. Anthony Russo, excuse me. Russo. So, who knows, maybe cut that in half. That's still not ideal. Let's say it's, it's one full season. That's mm-hmm. still not ideal. But, I'm like, I'm open to, I'm not going to be set in stone. And who knows who they have guys coming in, like new freshman transfers. There could be some other guys competing to fight for that job. But the one main thing I really want to get to, coaches, quit comparing guys to like Hall of Famers. <laughs> we saw this with Armani Rogers when uh, ah, he's Cam Newton at UNLV. Mm-hmm. I'm like, slow down. And I get where, okay, he's the size of him or whatever, looks the part, kind of like the physique. But there's a reason these guys are at Colorado State and UNLV. There's a reason he transferred from Boston College, a couple reasons, or Temple, excuse me, coming in. Like, it's playing time reasons. And then you have Bud Meyer who came over. Was he the he was a Wisconsin offensive line coach, correct? Uh, yeah. So quarterbacks coach maybe or quarterback coach, yeah, QB coach. So he's been there for a while, successful team, similar, more of a fit for Adazio. He compares him to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Do you not want to put enough pressure on a guy comparing to Wilson? Those eight Pro Bowls, future Hall of Famer, won a Super Bowl, been to two Super Bowls. Like, wait, they won a Super Bowl, right? Seahawks won one, or they just lose the one with they, it? They won one. Okay, I wasn't sure, because one time they didn't run the ball, and they got mad. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if that was the one. But, like, what are you doing? And plus, Bud Meyer, you've seen him throw, like, ten, okay, kind of sarcastically here, ten passes in the first week of spring, because this was made, like, day one of spring football. Like, okay, he could have gone back and watched film and tape and stuff, but anything in person, very minimal, because they barely started practice. Do you see any benefit besides confidence ability? Why would you compare him to an like an all time great quarterback in the NFL? That's a really good question. And and just to, for the sake of clarification, Lyle did note that you know most of Bud Meyer's initial comparison came down to you know particular mechanics in in, in Santeo's throwing motion, um, as well as kind of like the like you said like the intangibles like his his demeanor his leadership and things like that. And so I suppose when you think of it in those terms, it's probably not quite. It's, it's probably not quite as as pressure packed a comparison, um, because obviously, you know, not just any quarterback could be Russell Wilson as far as like his his physical capabilities of what he can do. But I think when it comes down to the little things, 
you know, maybe not necessarily saying that he's the complete package, but that that Centeno has the capacity to have like shades of what Russell Wilson brought to the table at Wisconsin and in Seattle. That makes more sense and is more fair. I just just stop. That's all I'm gonna say. Stop. <laughs> it, it's it's tough. And like and like he's mentioned, team Tim Tebow type player. I'm like, I I get it. It's like, and then it's a good point. Like. He doesn't have to be as good as like this is the most obvious statement ever. Centeno won't have to be another Tebow or Wilson for the Rams to be successful next fall. Well, duh, if he's a Wilson or Tebow, they're winning the Mountain West and going like thirteen and zero. You know what I mean? Going to the yeah. festival or something like that's still. I, I get their point. I just don't oversell guys. Like you're putting him up to fail if he comes out and does like if he has a season where they run the ball more more than they typically do from what the Rams have seen the past couple years, which is the expectation. And you're sitting here like, if I'm going up the 2019 quarterback stuff, like, who would you want to compare, like, comparing him to, I don't want to get, okay, I'm following the same thing again, comparison, but if he's going to do what they think he would do, I honestly think he's more like a Sean Chambers, Levi Williams type of guy with a bit more throwing ability, and that's could be good enough, but I don't know. Just because if he has that type of season, would that would they be satisfied enough if they're winning and your quarterback goes seven of seven of twelve for 130 yards and touchdown and runs for another 85 and a score? Is that I what mean, they I want? You, I think you answered your own question. Winning cures all ills, doesn't it? it? It does. But what if they don't win and he still has that season and he's playing and his winning his percentage is high but not throwing many passes? He's running for 60 plus yards a game if that's what they want him to do. I know winning cures all, but what if they're six and six and he's still doing that? I know. So, I, I get. I get answered my question, but you get my point. Like that. I that's my point. point. So I hopefully mean, everybody I, else does as well. <laughs> I mean, I know that they're not running the same kind of offense out there at Fort Collins, but I think if if you want to compare them to somebody, and they aren't even the same style of quarterback physically, but I think what you look at is Siobhan Cordero at Hawaii, and I think mm-hmm. that. You know, he hasn't, I mean, he, he had a very, very good season as a passer last year. You know, he completed 62% of his passes and had a touchdown to interception ratio of approximately two to one. But more importantly, he was one of the better ter- one of the better quarterbacks in the offense in terms of just generating total offense. You know, he, he generated as much with his legs, if not more, than just about any quarterback in, in the Mountain West that, you know, saw a majority of the playing time for his team last year. And so I think... You know, while they probably won't be expecting Centeno to carry the same kind of running workload that, that Todd Graham did of Cordero, probably I think not. that's sort of what you look at, where you know he may never be a, a Garrett Grayson type or a Nick Stevens type, but they don't need him to be, I think, in the offense they want to implement in order for them to be successful. So even if you know he's only completed 60% of his passes instead of 65, and even if he's only you know averaging, what, six and a half to seven yards per attempt as opposed to eight or something like that. And like 12 of 20 or something. If the team is winning, then I think it's not going to matter. No, that's all. It's always the thing. If your team's winning, who cares how you're doing it? Yeah. I, I'm just, uh, like I said, it's still a transition type of year for the offense. It's not. It's like year one point five, pretty much. If we think about it, not like a year zero, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this kind of in between, where you got a new OC and basically newest quarterback. I'm just. Uh, I'm just being. I'm just telling people to be cautious and the comparisons. It's like you throw names around out there. Tebow, like Hall of Famers, Wilson, Heisman Trophy winners. The average fan who's not maybe listen to us or they're tuned in every day to figure out what's going on with the Rams is kind of here. They're like, wait, I heard this guy. I heard. He's like Russell Wilson. Like, is that what you're telling me? Like, it's your it's your aunt or your brother who goes to like two games a year just because they're 
casually what with the Rams or like the alumni living somewhere else. Like, what you say they're oh the Rams are what they're four zero. That's pretty cool. And they said he's like this guy. He's like Tim Tebow. I better tune in these games, and they're going to be highly disappointed. Hmm. And so that's where my point too. Like the kind of the casual fan, where you hear these comments and you go into the game, and they're having a reasonably good start to the season. It's just that this comment could be brought up if they either are really good or not good because the OC said he's like a hall of, future Hall of Fame quarterback. So let's be careful with yeah, the words, I, guys. I don't think you're wrong. It's just one of those things where, depending on your perspective, you kind of have to. Parse, parse the meaning behind it, which you, I think, to your point, is it's not something a lot of fans are likely to do. Hope not. It's just, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's just TBD. So spring football's going on. We'll have some stuff on them and the other teams. Also, uh, oh, I was going to say something else. I could play space. Let's just move on before I sound like a dummy and just ramble. Are we ready for schedule talk? <laughs> Let's do it. Schedule talk is here. Mountain West football is here. Non-conference slate has been Pretty much uh, set in stone for, what, six months at least? Yeah, give or take. I think the most recent uh, tweak was the uh, Air Force-Navy game being on the anniversary of 9-11 this year. So it's, what, week two or three for them. Because it will be, what, 20 years, really? Yeah, 20 years. Wild. Dang, it's long. I feel feel older now. I was there nearby when it happened. (laughs) Holy crap. I remember... Not to go off a tangent, but I'm sitting there. I'm working in the student as library as, like, a work-study job. But he's like, hey, there's something going on. like, what are you talking about? I'm like... Planes, what? And then hop on, I forget, CNN or some, whatever some not big website at the time was when there were big websites or, as, you know what I mean, some new site. And there's like a picture. I'm like, holy crap. And that's now 20 years ago? Yikes. That's a long time, man. Stuff, yeah. stuff goes by quick. All right. So do how do you want to do this? You mentioned kind of a team-by-team type of deal. Was there any, before we do that, was there any, I have one. Do you have any big overarching thoughts on the schedule? Like any big picture things like, hey, what's up with this or why are they doing this? Okay, so and I think I'm, I'm guessing that you and I probably have the same wrinkle in the schedule in mind. That's fine. Um, which is actually a question that was posed to us by one of our Twitter followers about the cross-divisional games at the end of the season. Horrible. So for those of you who don't have the, uh, you know, the schedule in front of them while you're listening to this, the week of November 27th, there are two divisional games set between Utah State and New Mexico and then also Fresno State and San Jose State for the Valley Trophy. The other four games that weekend are games between Mountain Division teams and West Division teams. And the week before has a similar setup too, just so you're aware, folks. Yeah, so the idea is that, you know, yeah, you're still getting conference games at the end of the year, but it is a departure from what the conference had been doing for, if I remember correctly, the last two or three years, sort of since that uh, mini debacle at the end of 2017 between well, Fresno State and Boise State. Would have been two years, because last year, obviously, out of the window, the year before they changed it, it was, I guess, three, 2018 was the year, right? I'm guessing. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, they had made the change where it was exclusively, you know, divisional games to end the year, and now all of a sudden, there's a switch where you're, at the end of the season, now you're getting, you know, UNLV and Air Force. You're getting Boise State at San Diego State, Nevada at Colorado State, and then Hawaii at Wyoming. Rivalry game to end the year, actually. Uh, the Paul, what's the, I always forget a trophy name. What's it called? The, the Paniolo Trophy. Paniolo, the Hawaiian Cowboy Trophy. That's like one of my mm-hmm. favorite ones of the year. But why couldn't. Continue with your thought. I'll interject momentarily. I guess that I'm, I mean, I'm wondering how much of it has to do with scheduling quirks because, you know, some of the, you know, some of the teams obviously have dedicated non conference games that are 
more or less set in stone years in advance in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that Air Force is always going to play you know, Navy and Army at some point on their schedule, which means that there's always going to be some, you know, not, uh, some conference play wrinkle as a result. You know, case in point, they used to play Boise State, like, what was it, three or four straight years in week two or something Summer, like that. Summer, extremely early, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and kind of along the same lines, you know, BYU has, they play both Utah State and Boise State, so there's always, uh, you know, by virtue of their independent schedule, by virtue of New Mexico State's independent schedule, yeah, there there's inevitably going to be some shuffling because of those independent schedules taking place at October. outside of September, essentially. Yeah. Like those games bleed into October, and I think in the case of at least one game between Army's Utah late. State, yeah. yeah, Utah State and uh, New Mexico State is the week of uh, November sixth. Oh, I did not catch that one. Dang. So that's bound to happen to some extent. But come on, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know where most of the reasoning comes from for that, or unless it's a matter of you know trying to keep you know unfair road swings out of the way, or you know unfair home stands, or things like that. And so I think. To, at a certain point, it's hard to know, you know, what the factors are in making these decisions. I think that, I, I don't think they're not trying to make it as fair as they can, but it's just kind of curious that they, they kind of came back to this path um, after a few years away from it. I guess is what I'll say overall. You know what? Like I looked last weekend. Like there's two games that could. Well, sorry. One, the one big glaring game that weekend, November twenty seventh, which. We're not giving really. We're, <coughs> excuse me. We're not going to really do do predictions on this. Or we're kind of skip skip the schedule, save those for later. But Boise San Diego State could be one of those potential rematches, mm-hmm. just because boy, their Aztecs are always usually in the mix. <coughs> Apologies. Oh, geez, got need to drink water or something. But that type, that type of game is one where we could see like nobody like even if you think oh maybe Aztecs aren't as great this year, new whatever. Lucas Johnson, CB Selfie, Greg Bell's been hurt forever after those couple games. Like, well, but they're going to be considered for, they're going to be in the running for the title. That's all I'm getting at. Whether they mm-hmm. win the West or not, they're a team that's going to be in the conversation in the West when you have that. Like, the West is going to be good this year. Aztecs, Fresno, I, I don't expect, expect San Jose State to take a huge step back. Hawaii is going to be uh, interesting. Nevada's probably my front runner. But they're in the mix to be there. And so that could be a rematch. That's the only one I think. Would it be the rematch? Like I get having good games like Fresno at San Jose State for the rivalry, the Valley Trophy. That could be that honestly could decide the West Division that weekend, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Those are more exciting. Like why I'm trying to look through what switches they can make because I'm looking at Boise. They're on the they're at home the week before, so it'll be a road. Aztecs are at home, so or excuse me, Aztecs are on the road, so it flips around. But I don't know how big a deal it would be to make a, two or three tweaks to play all divisional games because the week before there's only 10, 10 teams playing there's two teams with a bye like mm-hmm. who's, who's gonna freaking buy the final week of the season like yeah and that's, that's and that's another thing too like you know there are several teams that do have two buys and i think that's largely a byproduct of you know, the hawaii calendar. Role, right and the calendar probably maybe yeah and yeah so I, I take your point i just think you know once you start moving pieces around then it starts just becoming a headache and, and you end up with another another projected schedule that you know some fan bases are probably gonna have some gripes with it no matter what the mountain west decides to do they do but i don't see this like you could go through i, I didn't take the time to go through the week by week but there i guarantee if you go through the schedule there could have been a way to move a game or two to where it would be 
uh, all divisional game. You know what I mean? Like, plus that creates so much more excitement. Like, if the division's on the line for Fresno, San Jose, and say you have in the Mountain Division, just say because I see Boise Air Force is early again, just for some reason I don't get it. But in the Mountain Division, let's say you think Wyoming's going to be in the title chase. You have Boise, Wyoming. Like, like that would be like it's like an elimination game and bring a lot more excitement to the following week. You win and you're in. That is what I'd like to see and. I don't get what's hard. Like with the schedule being set now, I get going through and seeing pulling the puzzle, Jenga or puzzle pieces to get to work. But going for, going in, why don't they start backwards? Almost like here, this week is set, and then we go from there and build everything around it. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being that hard to have divisional games the final weekend. This is another byproduct of like the league and Craig Thompson not thinking about promotion. If you go that last weekend and you have four teams that are in the mix for the title game, yeah, it may not be a ton of buzz nationally, but it'll give. More excitement and other teams to watch. So you, what you could do, you have a late afternoon, whatever your 10 Eastern kick is, and then the one at 7 Eastern or something, like the, or 6 o'clock Eastern, back-to-back mm-hmm. games. Like, winner goes, they're in. Or you play them at the same time. And, like, okay, we don't get any sort of advantage like to do in the World Cup to move on to the group qualifying to the knockout stages. Do something like that. Put them side-by-side, side and you're flipping back and forth, pick a game or something. Like, there's so much that can be done for excitement-wise by doing that. That's the biggest thing I have that I honestly really dislike with the schedule. I, there's It's not rivalry weekends, because if they had that, I'd be more understanding. There's only there's two rivalry games that weekend, and that's it. Like, there's enough to make six for if you really wanted to. If they did that, I'd be more open to it, but it's just a mismatch of, okay, we're just playing whomever, and you have a couple potentially good games. That's my biggest thing where it's like, guys... Use your brain. Do you not want exciting football on your for your TV partners and for your fans and for your schools and for non fans to tune in? I, don't, I mean, I would it, I would imagine that's also probably most of the answer for another one of the questions that we got from our from our friend fake coach Mummy, because he was wondering in particular why they moved Nevada Boise State to the very beginning of the Wolfpack's Mountain West schedule, and I think that when you look at the games around it, it was sort of by necessity, you know, because, you know, the following week, the Wolfpack come back home and they host New Mexico State in what will be their final non-conference game. Um, you know, th- in the following week, Boise State will hit the road. They'll go to BYU. And so I think mm-hmm. that's where you start seeing, you know, con- the confluence of the, especially the non-conference schedule, uh, and especially among the independents, you know, having an effect on this where, Let's say if they had played more Power Five teams instead, mm-hmm. or played um, you know other you know Group of Five teams like from the MAC or something like that, that you know if they hadn't had to schedule New Mexico sometime later in the year, then or New Mexico State rather, then they would have had a chance to push that game back a week or two. Like it, they could have, it, it it could have been a situation where, for example, Boise State goes to BYU the week of October second, and they're done with the majority they're done yeah. with their entire non-conference schedule and then nevada plays at boise the week after or something mm-hmm. like that um so i think like i said i think it's it's just you know trying to make puzzle pieces fit and sometimes it's going to look a little strange on the surface but i think also that when you dig a little deeper into you know every team's schedule kind of week by week yeah especially considering like the guys I've said it all along and I'll probably say it again now and I'll continue saying it throughout the off season, you know, whoever wins the conference this year is going to earn it because of how many people are coming back. You know, a lot of teams are going to be stacked and it's going to be a fist fight pretty much every single week, no matter who's on the schedule. Yeah. And then we mentioned in the off season before, even 
before, I guess there's a couple of tweaks, like with San Jose State, Nick Stark returning. Nevada not losing players, this isn't because of the extra years, because nobody went pro mm-hmm. where they could have. And so I think their thought being, we have a great team coming back, and why, let's do one more year, get a free year. So if you want to do two more, just do the one. You're a junior for the second year in a row. Just go ahead and do it, and they want to stick around. This could be, like, you're right. Like, look at the West. Like, every team in the West Division, let's just say San Jose State's 80% for what they were. That's still probably what eight and four season possibly, maybe seven to five if they drop a little bit more. Mm-hmm. In the West, you have Hawaii's who's going to be dangerous with Shavon Cordero and Calvin Turner. I know they had some losses on offense and some coaches leaving, so that'll be something got for. But they're a dangerous team. We can tell as we as we yeah, seen. and I think and you know come on, and I think for the most part, you know the games that show up at the beginning of the conference schedule are going to do a lot to really dictate the race. I mean, other than Utah State, sort of having a very, very demanding early schedule because they get Air Force on the road and then they're at home against Boise State by the end of September. Yeah, and then BYU six days later. Yeah, the most likely scenario is that they're going to be 0-2 in conference and really kind of digging their way out of of a hole and being competitive for maybe a bowl spot or something later on in the season. But, you know, that Nevada-Boise State game is going to have huge conference race Mm, potential. You know, the... Awesome. The, uh, the San Jose State at Hawaii mm-hmm. in the, the third week of the season, big time potential. Fresno so, versus San Diego State, anybody. Fresno versus whoever, come on. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, especially early on, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have chances to really make their break, their chances of winning the division and, and winning the conference title by extension. You know, definitely. Fresno at Hawaii, October 2nd. And then they have bye week Fresno at Wyoming. Like that's. A... Yeah, I'm gonna say, can we talk about Fresno's schedule for a moment? <laughs> of course, they, they get off. Hey, they get a bye week. I like their I like their chances <laughs> to be very competitive and take another step forward from last year. Sure, sure, Fresno. What do you got? But that is a very demanding middle of the schedule right there because you know they open conference play with UNLV on the week of the 25th of, of mm-hmm. September. Yeah, and then they go at Hawaii bye. At Wyoming, home versus Nevada. <laughs> at San Diego State, home versus Boise State. Good luck, folks. I mean, uh, that I mean, there's a lot of good teams in this. Fresno's one of them. Schedule. And and Fresno is one of them, I think. Yeah, but I don't think I see a stretch anywhere else on anybody else's schedule that is quite as demanding as that. There's always what Josh mentioned. There's always the CSU like the the big stretch they have was at Boise, Wyoming, Utah State every year. It seems like even though Utah State yeah. may not be as great this year, but they have. I could see almost close to like there on October 30th. They they host Boise, go to Wyoming, host Air Force, go to Hawaii, and then host Nevada. I'd say that's fairly comparable. Yeah, I but, mean, I, but I yeah. think a lot of teams have that stretch where, like, if they get the upper hand, they're pretty easily going to be in the driver's seat. You know, and conversely, like, if they stumble once or twice, then they could be battling for their bowl lives, let alone, you know, a division title. And I think, you know, I look at Fresno State as one example. I look at Air Force as another because they do get to open conference play with, with Utah State and then on the road at New Mexico. There you go. But then they've got that three-week stretch before their bye week on, on the week of Halloween, essentially, where you know, they're they get home games versus Wyoming and San Diego State, sandwiched around a road trip Boise. to Boise State. If they're three and zero in that stretch, you know, you, you, you all of a sudden you take a step back. They're hosting five and zero in conference. Play. They're hosting. <laughs> they, you know, that's a team that could pretty easily be on the cusp of the top twenty-five by Halloween. Yeah. But conversely, like if they if they drop two or three of those games. 
and and I think that you know there's a non-zero possibility that they could. You know, then all of a sudden you're looking at having to win probably three of four just to get to 500 or something like that because you know Navy is probably going to be a little better than last year. Florida Atlantic looks like it's going to be pretty solid at a Conference USA, and so the Falcons aren't going to have a lot of gimmies, especially in the first half of the schedule. So they're going to have to do what they can to at least make sure that they're above 500. I think otherwise. You know, they could end up being in line for something that's a little more disappointing than the Falcons fans might expect. Are we looking toward a season where, with all these teams, we, I, I, I don't, honestly, this year, I don't think we're just being optimistic just because I really do think there's a ton of good teams. Are we looking at a year, and we'll do schedule breakdown or projections like another show at some point? Are we honestly maybe looking at an 8 4 conference champion with all these teams with multiple losses and no respect, no ranking, and clearly no New Year's Six game despite there being some really good football? That's hard to say. I mean, I think it's within the realm of possibility. Yeah. I hope it's not the case, but I see enough good teams where they just beat each other up and the champ honestly might be 9 3 with mm-hmm. all three conference losses. That's so a I guess, c- you know, concern I, I have. guess conversely, do you see any conference schedule on this uh, among the contenders in particular that is perhaps a little bit easier than the rest? Because like we've uh, touched upon Fresno, we've touched upon Air Force, but I'm wondering if you see anything that's sort of the opposite in your opinion. Um, I'm scrolling through really quick. I look maybe Nev- maybe because I like Nevada a lot, but I could see them not having they they don't really have a, a brutal a more than a three game stretch. That's tough. Because they start off like they go to Boise, which is odd. For their first conference game, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. That'll be so fun to watch at Boise. That'll be amazing. So that's tough. That, like, it's kind of, I'm not going to, here's the schedule kind of looks at. I'm going through conference and non conference just super quick. They go to Boise. Okay. Then they host Mexico State easy. They host Nevada. Not super easy, but I think that's a winnable game for them, despite what we saw the coaching stuff last you year. Mean Hawaii, right? the, or, excuse me, Hawaii going to Nevada. The, the, the DC, Hawaii, it's kind of basically chess game Nevada to in that in that contest. So mm-hmm. that's not a tough game. Like I, I would still put, predict Nevada to win, but not easy. But also it's not you're playing the contenders. Then it's Fresno State. So those two games are pretty tough. Then they get UNLV for Cannon. Then San Jose State. It's like every other week. Then it's San Diego State. I'd kind of say it, but even then, they have like we're going backwards. Air Force, November 20th. San Diego State, November 13th. San Jose State, November 6th. Like four or five in Nevada at Fresno. It's like Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. It's, it just seems it's. I think with the league, I don't know if there's an easy schedule. There's not an easy schedule in this conference. Like I thought Nevada, then I look closer. I'm like, well, maybe really it could be. Kind of, you, you really have to parse parse it. Yeah, with degrees of difficulty. Like, that's why I'm like Hawaii's like yeah the Hawaii thing and last year why, they played so well. That's why I've got my eye on Wyoming. Okay, what do they got? Because they, because after like? after their bye, you know, because they they do their four non conference games and they have their bye in week five essentially. Well, and they got after, a week four bye almost. They go to UConn. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel, but they do. But, <laughs> but after that, you know, obviously it's it's not as though their conference schedule is bereft of like having to face other contenders. But they don't have to play San Diego State. They don't have to play Nevada. That's good, helpful. And you know, I think. Yeah, they Air host Force Fresno, which is good too. Air Force is going to be good. They get to host Fresno. I think if, but I think that you know, there's no like two game stretch. Let's say where you're like, if they if they lose those two games, it's going to be really difficult for them to to compete. I think their their toughest games are spaced out enough where 
even if they catch where if they catch them breaks, they could remain in the conference race pretty easily. So like they get Fresno at home and then two weeks later they go to San Jose state. And then two weeks later they go to Boise. And in between those, you know, they get New Mexico, they get Colorado state, both of them at home. And then they finish the year. Like you, like we mentioned at the very beginning at home against Hawaii. So relative to a lot of other teams, you know, I still see a path there where if they hit their 90th percentile, this is a team that could win 10 games. And I think if do in doing that, you know, they're, they're probably going to have to win at least two of those three on the road. They're probably going to have to beat Fresno state at home, mm-hmm. but it's within the realm of possibility for them. I, and I think, you know, the, however many contenders you can duck in those intra in those <laughs> interdivision games, especially yeah. is going to make a huge deal. I think for whoever ends up in the conference game and who misses out. I can see them also maybe going zero and two, like Air Force, mm-hmm. Fresno. Not difficult. I mean, sorry, not easy. Yeah. And so, but I'll give them time to climb back in with the convention again. New Mexico at San Jose, like their toughest game, like it is at conference or what at Boise. They do San Jose State is on the road, and again, I'm not going to discount them at the moment, but I'm just going to take a step back and not project them to be like the conference champion. Or I think they'll be in the mix, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Like losing like Trey Walker, but I don't know what what Brent Brennan has done. Maybe he can keep it going where they're – because last year was like, was a once in a 20-year stretch for them just about for finishing undefeated regular season. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would have said the same thing about Hawaii too. Until coaches lost left? Well, not, not that, but if Hawaii is going to get to the, to, the, to the championship game, have you seen their first three conference games? They have again in Mexico State. So twice, really again, again, these are spaced <laughs> two weeks apart. But starting on the week of September 18th, they they get San Jose State at home, which we mentioned oh. in earlier. Oh, I missed it. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Two week, two weeks later, they get Fresno State at home, mm-hmm. and Good. then two weeks after that, they get Nevada on the road. That's nice. If they win all three of those games, they've got a very clear path to the to the title game. Totally, because with the, the weeks because off the second and half of their schedule is a lot more manageable. Like, of course, they still have to go on the road to San Diego State, and that didn't necessarily go well for them last year. No, Greg Bell showed up and played well. <laughs> but that's that's that comes back to that central that central kind of tenant of mine that's going to carry me throughout the offseason where, you know, Hawaii is definitely going to be in the mix, but they're definitely going to have to earn it, especially with that that early division, you know, in, intra-division schedule with, with – yeah, they win those three games. It helps to get two of them at home. I, well, I agree. Like that. that, that's super. Like I get the teams are tough, but they're they're spaced out and they're at home. So while it is like in a vacuum, each game by himself, yeah, that's a, that could be a tricky game. But they get an off week, New Mexico State, an actual bye week. So those are three tough games. But that, I'm going to say this might be the easiest setup, despite the consecutive games they get. The off week, October 9th, they're not playing that weekend. New Mexico State, they'll get it for the second time, which. We'll see how that goes because they're playing home and home this year. But I, I could argue while the teams are kind of fairly difficult, I would say that's probably the easiest stretch right there for them to be successful. Because every yeah, week, weeks off in between, or no, sorry, that would be the first time they played New Mexico State. Apologies, but they they played easy schedule, easy team in New Mexico State off week at home. The at Nevada game is the biggest one, and then after that, like if they okay, let's look at Hawaii real quick because I'm oh boy, I might say something I might regret here, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay, all right. They they got they open at UCLA, which I don't trust. Darren, what's his name? DTR with Chip Kelly to be amazing. I don't know if they'll win, but that could be a pretty fairly exciting game. So who cares what happens in that game? They got Portland State fine. Or at Oregon State, 
I'd say it's very winnable, even though or SP Plus is not a fan of that. San Jose State, that, that's a, like all these games. Like it's very, they're almost they're all winnable. Even UCLA, mm-hmm. like like I wouldn't like I would be surprised. I don't think it's gonna happen, but can they beat UCLA? Yes. Can they beat Portland State? Obviously. Oregon State, even on the road, yes. San Jose State at home, yes. They could they potentially beat them. New Mexico State on the road, yes. At home versus Fresno State, leaning no, but it wouldn't be shocked. I'm not like they could be a team worth seeing at four, five, and zero possibly because of who they play. Probably not, but assuming they were like they were last year. I know last year they struggled a bit. They had to come from behind to make games closer. Maybe they learn from that. But the teams are actually played a week in and week out. They could have a pretty good schedule, a pretty good record by mid October when they go to Nevada, and that could be hyped up as a pretty big game if they are both with one loss or no losses or like two combined losses. That could be. Phrased out like the West Division showdown, the winner moves on and takes that next step is going to be number one seed for the next couple of weeks. But I think Hawaii's schedule plays out super nice where they could overachieve. I, yeah, I would say overachieve with who they have playing because that schedule probably be not easy, but very manageable, winnable. On the flip side, could lose to Oregon State. Yeah, could lose to UCLA, San Jose State. Yeah, they could. I think there's a big swing of potential for them to be really good and. If something goes wrong, like last year where they fall behind Boise State, they make it come back to look close when it's not really. But they have a big swing of events, and losing a wide receiver coach, losing their offensive coordinator, that's a big concern. For needing to find a new running back. There's a lot of concerns with it, but basically who they play and what the opponents, I think, bring to the table, they could be a surprise team in the first half of the season by the time they play Nevada. So then I guess, you know, in thinking in terms of like maybe a, the, the teams that aren't necessarily thought of as contenders right now on, on March 7th, are there any schedules that you see among like, you know, and we're talking like Utah State, New Mexico, UNLV, Colorado State, if you want to throw them in there. Do you Man, see any schedules that, that, might, for those teams. <laughs> that might enable them to make a bigger jump than we'd expected in, um... in kind of year two of these new programs? Or these new kind of new look programs? I would say no to Utah State just because they have Washington State in those first conference games or Air Force, Boise State. Then BYU probably be fine, but not as good as last year. I'm going to mark out Utah State because of the schedule. When you look at UNLV, they have a they oh, they got Eastern Washington, which hope they don't lose that one. But it's hard to know what they're bringing to the table, really, because with um, Marcus Arroyo and everything, we're still kind of wait-and-see mode. Um, Arizona, they play a couple P5 teams. I'd say no to UNLV because they have Fresno after UNLV and Arizona State and even like UTSA. So I'm going to knock them off as well. If I look at New Mexico, this might be a, this might be a project, Matt, or a conversation where it's none of the above. Is that an option I could have? I'll allow it. I'd say maybe New Mexico, they get Houston Baptist, New Mexico State. But they get, I don't care. They play Texas A&M. Who cares? Um, they, got U, they have UTEP. So I think New Mexico could, a non-conference play. I would, Roger's going to love me for this. I could see them being 3-1 and one in non-conference play. Interesting. Well, okay. They're, they're going to be uh, Houston Mexico Baptist, State. right? New Mexico yeah. State? They lost their freaking Tarleton State. We talked last week or whatever it was. They're getting mm-hmm. beat up by them. They UTEP's literally the worst team in college football. Them in New Mexico State. So those are wins right there. But when you get league play, they have Air Force. They have... Uh, San Diego State, CSU. League play will be a bit tricky. Their first four or five, if I'm correct here, Wyoming, CSU, San Diego State, and Air Force, that's a tough stretch. Mm-hmm. So I would say non-conference-wise, I'd probably land, let me pull up CSU. I'm just kind of going game by game a little bit. I think New Mexico definitely can 
be a nice, pleasant surprise in non-conference play. They could be a team where they might go three and one non-conference play, but go four and eight overall. Like mm-hmm. I could see it as a possibility. I hope not, but I could see them starting off nice. Look at CSU. Um, same thing. Like they have Vanderbilt, possibly San Diego State or South Dakota State. Yeah, um, Toledo. We'll see Iowa. Their, their schedule mixed bad, but they start off with they maybe CSU because two or three New Mexico, Utah State. Mm-hmm. They can start two and two in league play, losing to let's see uh, San Jose State, which may, might be winnable, losing to Boise State. It gets a little tricky to have that stretch of Wyoming as well, but maybe CSU. If I'm picking those uh, those bottom teams, I guess CSU has the most potential to be better. Utah State, it's just hard to tell at the moment. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. co- new coach Blake Anderson transfers coming in, they get Rice back in the Mountain West. They'll have some potential for defense to take a step forward, but losing like Jalen Warren to Oklahoma State, losing all these different players, new quarterback, which would be fine. I'm not sure, but I think CSU, out of that grouping, probably be at the top. See, I don't know if I agree with you totally on the Aggies, and maybe this is a consequence of me kind of internally talking myself into them a little bit. It is not on March, so we're not good. Necessarily it to, <laughs> and not necessarily having to dig themselves, uh, on paper at least, out of the same kinds of depths that, that other teams in the conference really fell into and you know, from like 2019 to 2020, let's say. Mm-hmm. I get the sense that the Aggies are starting from a much better position than a team like UNLV or, or New Mexico did last year at this time. I would agree with that. And I so, just think CSU's at the so top And so I could see a situation where, like, you know, before the bye, you know, those five games that you mentioned leading up to the BYU game on October mm-hmm. 1st, I could see a situation where that probably would not be kind to them, where maybe they're one and four, two and three at best, if they can steal a win from one of those teams. But I look at the schedule after their bye, and I see a situation where it would not surprise me if they finished four and three, and and threatened to kind of finish at, at five hundred. Finish, you know, if and if they're if they're lucky and, and and good enough and get off to a fast start in in September, you know, to be five and seven or six and six at at year's end. Because, you know, I do expect teams like Hawaii and Wyoming to be competitive, but you know, I think it's fa- it's fair to say that every contender has their flaws, which makes for a situation where a team like Utah State, where you know maybe they have more work to do on paper right now, but they yeah. can steal wins from some of these contenders. I, like, I can see them doing that more than I could a, a team like, let's say, UNLV. Right at the I think UNLV is probably another year away from really starting to make moves in the win column, let's say. I but, agree. The know, defense, they, like I mentioned, Rice, Vachon Kampong, whatever, I can never say his name. Jeez, um, I hate John, like guys that have a defense, defense could be back to being their best side of the ball. And, and, and you know, going to San Jose State's not not easy, but you know, they they combine that with a two game road swing at New Mexico State. You know, and then they get a two game homestand against Colorado State and Hawaii before that. They get Wyoming at home too. So yeah, I could see a situation where they you know they kind of spin their wheels a little bit and maybe it's closer to a three win season. But if they hit their stride early on, even if it's not perfect season, they could very easily finish with five or six wins with the schedule they have in front of them. I, I'm not disagreeing with Utah State. I'm more of a still. I'm not sure yet. That's fair. But you're right in saying like what they have with a new coach, and because obviously the way Gary Anderson left was quite unique. Mm-hmm. Not unique, I guess. Well, no, he was fired. So I was thinking it was Oregon State. He left them under the table again here. So cool. He's a good guy, but I remember reading tweets from Stephen Godfrey. It's like, are you really a good guy if you quit 
mid-season and you hang your assistants out to dry. That's also not a good look either. He's like, oh, I'm going to leave $10 million on the table. The school loves me. Offensive coordinator, crap, I need a new job. Defense line coach, crap, need, need a new job. Analysts need a new job. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say he did like the noble thing by not keeping money or by returning money. But with what they have coming back, you're, I think you're right. Because he, while he was let go, they still had some talent there. CSU, year two, Dodge has talent. UNLV, whew, we'll see. New Mexico, they ended the season strong. So they have an upswing, but I think when you look, you're right. Like looking at a new coach and what they have coming in, they had more than Mexico, more than UNLV, more than CSU. Um, I know we got Boise new head coach this year as well. It's clear at the top by far, just because of the way Brian Harson went up and left for Auburn for the challenge, P5 league money, and all that type of stuff. We'll see what um, Andy Avalos does, but out of the team bottom teams that probably be. More likely than not, no bowl game than not. Utah State is right at the top of uh, first-year coaches, I guess. When you look, the past, not even this past year, but any historical the past decade, anytime there's a new coach, your team usually sucks. And while Utah State wasn't great, there's still some pieces there and transfers coming in to see maybe if they overachieve, they might be able to get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Is there any other schedule stuff you were looking at? Do you want to touch any non-conference stuff? Is there any... Any weekend you saw that's like I got this is like a must see weekend of the conference that like I'm not Ooh, missing this weekend. Okay. That that's a good question. Now I gotta, <laughs> I gotta I know. I've been zooming in team by team. Now I gotta Me zoom too. back out and really look at this. I mean, yes. I'm. I mean, I think the last weekend is going to be a really interesting weekend, despite the uh, interdivision games. Just in terms of like rivalries, you know, Boise State and San Diego State mm-hmm. on paper looks like more of a mismatch than in past years, but. You know, the Aztecs are one of a few teams that, you know, pretty routinely seems to be able to get the Broncos' number. And so I'm very interested in seeing how that special teams. I call it every special teams happens. Uh, Yeah, there's that game. What else you got? There's, I I see three big games a weekend. They're probably, we're all looking at the same three, I'm guessing. Okay. So what what are you looking at? For weekends? um, Well, obviously, really quick that weekend um, Hawaii, Wyoming, Fresno, San Jose State. I'm also looking at the weekend of November 6th. What do we got there? Let me scroll up here. Because November you get, 6th. You get, the, you get the milk can between Boise State and Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Border War. Border Bronze War. Boot. You get the, yeah. Uh, you get San Jose State at Nevada, a rematch of last year. And you also get San Diego State, Hawaii. And I think. And, 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 and you have the. Hold on. And you got to win a game. You know, being New Mexico. Somebody's got to win game. Yeah. And so that, I think no, overall. Ooh, like, that might be my favorite one, maybe, in conference a, play. That's going to be a really good week, I think. That one's really good. I, I guess we're kind of cheating with there's two non-conference games, Utah State and New Mexico State, which is no, also a weird. I mean, those, those are the games that are scheduled. I'll no, I know. I said a week. I, I didn't say conference specifically. I said weekend I was gonna as, say, as you, well. You give me a, a seven-game slate in early November, I'm going to take it every single time. I think that's pretty good. When we look at the non like the more first month of the season, like mm-hmm. week, the week zero, I, I like those games. Those will be fun to watch. You got UConn, Fresno, Hawaii, UCLA. Just, I'm more interested in the UCLA games. That'll be quite unique going mm-hmm. to like the league play like there's some solid games like i keep saying like i just noticed that recently i say it like all the time i'm trying to stop so apologies again san jose state usc fresno oregon come on nevada cal i think that's i think nevada's mm-hmm. gonna race cal that weekend like that game central florida boise sorry i forgot that one that week for a non-conference game utah state at washington state probably not a super close one with uh had taken on nick rolovich there up in uh pullman that is a pretty sweet weekend of non-conference games. Enough high-profile games where I could see, like Boise, like any team on your the Fresno Oregon is going to be really tough. 
But mm-hmm. Oregon lost their quarterback. He transferred, even though he kind of got sort of got benched late in the year. He didn't really play much in the Fiesta Bowl, so he's gone. Cal's whatever. But that that could be a good weekend of a couple high profile games where there could be some upset alert going on. You got San Diego State, Arizona, which Aztecs should crush them. Mm-hmm. Like I see no re- that's the week after, but I see no reason Arizona stand to field with Aztecs. Even if the Aztecs are like maybe eight fourteen. I'm but also I do, very I, much looking forward to the week of October sixteenth. Ooh, what do we got that weekend? Is that mix Air a mix Force game? at Boise? Okay, always good, yeah. Fresno State at Wyoming, Hawaii at Nevada, San Diego State at San Jose State. That right there is a quartet of very strong conference games. That oh man, there there I hope I mean, we're if not you're looking for if you're looking for like yeah. one kind of turning point for a lot of teams' seasons. Mid season. I good think point. that that's it, yeah. <laughs> because like right in the middle of the season, it's like within the first handful of conference matchups, and that could do a lot to really dictate how the race shakes out down the stretch. I'm going to ask you one more question. It's probably not fair to ask now because it takes all a look at the schedule. Were there any games scheduled this year that didn't happen last year that we want to see? There's no San Jose State voice. He's not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Fresno? Maybe Fresno San Jose State might be top of the list that did not get played? Uh, it didn't get played last year. That's, a, uh, that's my point, yeah. Reestablishing the rivalry, yeah. That's what I mean. Did Fresno play San Diego State? Did that uh, get no, played? No, they didn't. So I think a couple of those Fresno games, like missing out on those rivalry games and in-state mm-hmm. games, those are probably the most ones I'm looking forward to see. Those that's the only big time games I'm thinking because, and it's Boise interesting had... too because we're we're getting some of the schedule quirks too because of mm-hmm. last year's revisions to the schedule because of COVID. So like, Fresno State's going to end up playing New Mexico three years in a row rather than two because they ended up playing last year. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, Hawaii and Wyoming is the same situation um, where Good. they Make I don't think they were originally scheduled to play last season. Then they ended up playing in week two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, on, but the yeah. Paniolo Trophy is going to be on the line three years in a row, too. Do you? Li- I'll ask you one last question here. It's more of a we know it's answers pods typically when we ask this question, but should the league just not just only do pods, but just scrap division, just do pods and take the best two teams? Yes. Okay. Simple answer. Because last year it just happened to be San Jose State, Boise State, mm-hmm. which was still a great, great, great two teams. But I think like division like. Divisions are initially set up for typically travel purposes. Mm-hmm. And there's no divisions in basketball anymore. There's no divisions in baseball. Fewer teams, obviously. And the other sports, volleyball, swimming, there's no divisions. A couple of teams like smaller sports. I think swimming, I think UNLV's in the whack just because location-wise. And I think San Diego State's in some other conference. I don't recall. Maybe I'm wrong. But there's, it's mostly for geographical purposes. And most the only sport that does it is football, I believe. And, mm-hmm. and across all of... NCAA, two A, like there's mostly it's only football. There might be a couple leagues here and there that do it just because it are super spread out. Where okay, we're only playing these teams. We meet up for the conference championship. I would like. Wouldn't it be exciting if you were to somehow get like last year? This could have been clamored more if somehow it was a uh, who who was the second best mountain to te- or the who was like number two last year in either either side? Do you recall off the top of that head? Uh, well, Nevada was one. Okay, what if it was Nevada San Jose State? Like, would that have led to kept the thing going where, or maybe some momentum? It's like, hey, why don't we just scrap divisions? You you still can mostly play your Western teams or your Mountain and Western teams, but then you let, but then it's set up where your rivals are always being played and you know it's going to be the best two teams regardless, but you're still getting in the teams you normally want to play. Yeah, I mean, I would not be opposed to that personally. Okay, that's why I want to wrap up with that. So anything else we need to schedule? Are we good to uh, have people peruse and say, let's move on? 
Yeah, I mean, we got we got a long way to go through this offseason. But I we think have plenty of time to break it down. As far as schedule talk is concerned, I think I'm pretty much good to go for right now. <laughs> Me too. We'll get to maybe some team stuff. We'll see how it goes. So check us out, MWR.com. Basketball Hub, obviously, on the front page. We'll have, um, we might have a special interview guest on there to talk some NCAA football again, Matt. That'll be exciting. Name Im- mm-hmm. image likeness because I'll give you a tease right now, which is out there. Apparently, Hawaii does not want to be in the football game at the moment, but we'll get to why. Neither does Fresno State. Or Fresno State, okay. Uh, earlier this week, actually. So the reason is not what you think it is. It's not because they don't want to be. It's mostly, yeah, we'll give it away, kind of, a structural thing of how it's going to be done for the players. Mm-hmm. Mostly institutional type of thing to make uh, fairness, money, and I also will talk about some nerdy stuff, which is always fun, I think, too. But we'll be back next time, uh, most likely next week. And but check us Twitter, Facebook, Mountain West Wire on Facebook now. We have that new page. We're so going to check that out. And we'll see you guys next time.